humans towards the future of work. That works for people. A smorgasbord of snackable stories to help you be a more effective leader. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Thank you so much for dedicating the next half hour of your one precious life to listen to this episode. So today's guest is Ellie Norman, who was until very recently the CMO of Formula One. Completely jealous. How exciting would that have been? And I also imagine it was probably quite a male competitive environment as well. So I'm really genuinely looking forward to finding out which stories she chooses to tell. Now, dear listener, you know that this podcast is supported by the Marketing Society. The lovely Ellie is a non-exec for the Marketing Society. So that's how we met. What you may not know is that throughout my career, right from the very beginning, I've designed a lot of events. I've designed events on the inside of companies, sort of employee engagement, digital extravaganzas, and small workshops and conferences, and big conferences, like the one I think I've mentioned before, which was 6,500 people and 10,000 children at the UN. So I have really understood the potential of what events can be. But I also get very frustrated because, let's be honest, most events are a bit like bad work experiences. So you kind of get ushered into a place where you don't really know anyone and you're spoken at from the stage by big shot, often sponsors. And then there's session after session after session. They're packed in the way that we pack in meetings. And the bits that are really interesting, those bits over coffee, in break or over lunch, they're kind of squished in to these tiny amounts of time. So you don't really get a chance to communicate with the people around you. And I don't know about you, and let me know what you think, but I often leave a little bit emptier than when I went in. Again, I don't know why, because for 20 years I've been messing around with formats, but I guess we humans are caught in the status quo, and that's just the way they work. It's the way they've always worked. But, and I've also been lucky not just to design event experiences, but also to be invited to some of the best in the world. And they are like the best businesses. They're designed around experience. They put the customer experience right slap bang in the center of the experience. They are, I guess, they are built on the same pillars on the create framework. They're co-created with customers um, experienced designers really care about what the customer wants and need, what excites them, what keeps them awake at night. Good events are all about real communication and collaboration and experience and experimentation. And the very best events, I go to one called Kinanet, which is, I think I've probably mentioned before, which is one of my favorite, which is all around really building connection and community. Those kind of events leave people feeling really energized. 
Anywho, when the lovely Sophie, who is, as you know, the CEO of the Marketing Society, so when she asked for my support to make sure that their new event was the best possible experience for their digital delegates, I really couldn't say no. So what did we do first? Well, guess. Clearly, the first step was to have a den, the Beep's particular brand of design thinking workshops, with the people the event is designed for. What did they really want? Did, what did they need to be the best digital leader they can be? What keeps them awake at night? What inspires them? What do they need to unpick? I'm going on here. Anyway, my partner in crime at that den was the lovely Ellie. So I felt firsthand what she, I'm sure, is as a leader, the agility, the empathy, the playfulness, the, the kind of preparedness to be experimental. So before I introduce you, that was a long introduction. Uh, so before I introduce you to Ellie, I just wanted to say a massive thanks for all of your feedback, um, you know how important it is to me to understand. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, going back to the point I just made, everything should be designed around the experience of the customer. And you, dear listeners, are the people that I make this podcast for. So if you let me know what works for you, what doesn't work for you, it's an enormously powerful experience for me to make sure this experience just keeps getting better and better. So please head over to catskeely.com, sign up to the Humans Leading Humans newsletter, um, so I can keep you up to date with the, uh, the trials and the tribulations and the triumphs in the world of Beep and Catsy's other bits and pieces. Head over to www.wearebeep.com to find out more about how our mind shift and behavior shift culture transformation programs work or please do feel free to mail me dear listener at cats at wearebeep.com because i love to get your mails now i am delighted to introduce to you ellie norman Ellie Norman, I'm really, really excited and delighted to invite you to be a guest or to have invited you to be a guest on Humans Leading Humans. So, dear listeners, as you just heard, I believe that events are much more important and should be treated very differently than the way that most people treat them. And while I was working with Sophie, on the event that's about to come off in London, I really needed somebody to help me run one of these design thinking workshops so that we could co-create and make sure that we had a narrative behind our event that actually made sense and was actually the stuff that people wanted to hear and feel. And I asked Ellie whether she would be my partner in crime to run that their design thinking workshop or den. And she said, yes, and you were an absolute delight, Ellie. So, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about what's been your past? Where did, how did you get to where you are now? Kat, what an intro. Thank you. Um, I'm really honoured to join you today um, and to be thought of as a human leader. Um, I've certainly got some stories to share, but really enjoyed our sort of workshop 
for the sort of Marketing Society event coming up. But if we start with my story, it goes clearly way back when. I would say I've been incredibly fortunate to be programmed differently. And um, I've always sort of thought of that as my superpower. But I um, essentially chose a different path in that I left school at 18. And that took me into agency experience. It took me into um, sort of automotive and manufacturing experience on a pan-regional level. Um, It took me into learning about new sector like telco and kind of media and single country. And it ultimately and most recently took me to Formula One, where I was sort of privileged enough to be um, the sort of chief marketing officer there since 2017 until January of this year. And now I'm ready to find find my next adventure. And I've got to say that when I first met you, you know, the idea of a woman being a CMO inside F1, which I imagine, I wouldn't know, but I imagine it's a very male environment. I was just like, wow, what is this woman going to be like? And Ellie, you're you and you're amazing. <laughs> it wasn't necessarily what I was expecting. Because <laughs> you'd imagine in a very male environment. And funny, with um, Rebecca last, the last episode, she was working in a private equity bank. She was the only MD in the whole of North America. And you'd imagine her to be a particular sort of woman. And she's anything but. She's just all about the empathy and the energy. Anywho, I sent you the CREATE framework. How did that make you think and feel? My initial reaction was, aha, yes, I get it. It's very much how I see myself, certainly when I'm working for a company or for someone. I know that all of these values get the most out of me. And these are the values that I like to kind of carry in my team. So there was the beauty aha moment of actually just seeing it pull together so simply into such a memorable framework because nothing makes me happier than simplicity. That's great to hear. That's so great to hear. Okay, so tell us your story number one. So where we're going to go, first of all, Katz, is I love the fact that when we spoke before, it was very much around three snackable stories. Now, it could be the time of day in that we're um, recording this together and it is after lunch. And coupled with that, anyone that knows me well will know that I absolutely love to cook, entertain, and I love to eat. So um, within your framework, I've picked out EAT as my little acronym within CREATE to really sort of deep dive into sort of things. (laughs) Brilliant. I knew you'd come up with something creative. So number one is clearly an E. And some of the values that sort of really, really stood out to me was high energy, enthusiasm, empathy, and exploration. And um, I touched on it just at the very, very beginning, but that's absolutely been a part of me since a child. Um, And I feel that actually that's what makes me different. And it's my kind of special superpower. And it goes way back when to growing up on a working farm. There is nothing more invigorating than actually being able to explore and fortunate to live somewhere so out of the way that the sort of simple rule was be home before dark. And it's now that you sort of hear stories about yourself as a kind of child. 
Um, and I certainly remember the creativity and the curious um, definitely getting me into trouble as a child and particularly sort of with younger sisters being particularly mischievous. Okay, we're coming into lambing season. I could never, ever understand why sort of the lamb should be outside. Um, just being born, and yes, they're with their mums, but, you know, why are they outside when we're kind of tucked up and warm um, inside home? And I do recall one morning we'd been up early and um, my sister and I had actually been outside. We went into all the lambing pens and we collected all the lambs and we brought them inside the house and we emptied every single kitchen cupboard and we made new beds inside all of the kitchen cupboards and we put all the lambs in the cupboards so that they could kind of have their own little kind of cots and places to sleep. <laughs> so we were nightmare children. Wow. Your poor parents. I know. <laughs> I, can't, I don't know why they had any more. Um, perhaps they were waiting for a kind of calmer one, but that sort of high energy exploration has definitely been a huge part. Enthusiasm for everything I do, but you'll be pleased to know the older I've got, the greater my empathy levels have got, certainly for my parents, and always seeing everyone's kind of side of the story and imagining what that must feel for them. You know, that joyfulness, that playfulness, that kind of curiosity and anything's possible. Have you managed to keep some of that into your leadership style? That's a great question, actually. I think it's kind of tough, isn't it? Because typically, the higher up you go in an organisation, it can often lead to perhaps being fearful about making mistakes. And yet, we learn the most when you're putting yourselves into situations, you're being exposed to new things and different ways of kind of learning and different people to actually give you those kind of perspectives. For me, it, it always kind of comes back to really sort of understanding the other people around the table that you're sitting at. And do you have those allies that want to do that with you? I used to do a big event. This seems to be a theme arising here um, called Between, which was all around what happens if you bring people from across the creative industries, from TV and tech and mobile and marketing and brand and all that stuff, big companies and small companies, if you bring them into one place, how can you get them to talk to each other? And it really surprised me because I came at this from kind of a vision perspective as a startup. We started doing this thing because I couldn't imagine why it wasn't already happening. The fact that actually marketeers really were not looking outside their comfort zone at all. Mm. So I remember meeting Nicole Yershon when she joined my advisory board, who was working at Ogilvy Mather at the time. And, you know, she said what was so delightful for her is it gave her a chance to be somewhere for two days that she'd meet people who she would never normally meet, yeah. so open to collaboration. And of course, then it means that she's seeing her job in a different yeah. way. But I think it's something that I still find myself surprised about that people stick within their own little yeah. silo. Now, what's your story number two? So story number two clearly has to be about the A now, doesn't it? We've done our E. Yeah. So um, the A, um, autonomy, alignment, appreciation, and authenticity. And when I first started having an immediate team, those direct reports, I suspect and reflect that I was not a great leader. And when you sort of really think about it, you're never really taught how to lead people. 
and you are sort of rewarded by having been a great manager, deliverer of a project with a team to lead. For me, it's always been so important when things haven't gone right is to actually be aligned as a team, but also like importantly, are those goals and objectives aligned and bought into and as equally important to the CEO or the kind of board so that actually that value creation zone is the right value creation zone. And when you're delivering, that impact is seen and it's also kind of valued. And that really comes back to having the clarity on the why, like the the mission that you're all working towards, the values that you kind of sign up to inside of an organization and the kind of principles as to kind of how people see you living on the outside world. Because you have a responsibility to deliver value for your organization and your company. But as a human being, I have a massive responsibility to my team and to the people that I lead and to the people I inspire. And so from that sort of alignment, for me, it was very much kind of thinking about those and then actually saying, well, once that alignment is there, it's actually about being authentic and showing up as your sort of whole self. Who I am at home uh, with my husband or kind of friends and family is who I am when I come to work. And like anyone, I'm going to have great days and I'm going to have some not so great days. And by being your sort of authentic self or really actually knowing what makes you tick, I think is also sort of important because I really hope that by being able to behave like that, they also feel that they can be their whole selves. So if the people are listening to this, you've had 22 years of marketing, you've learned as you've gone, uh, which I think in, in some ways experiential learning is so much more powerful than kind of formal training. Are there any tricks of the trade that you've picked up on your way through to make sure that you are listening to how people are feeling, that you're checking in on how they're showing up in their own life and therefore showing up at work? If you get into sort of all of the brain science stuff, but if you also read more holistically, we have our gut and our heart. And actually, they are the three kind of main things within your body. And... I think business would say to being much more kind of brain-led in that sort of rational thinking and all of that kind of system two stuff. And um, what I always sort of talk about and share is don't forget that system one thinking, that sort of intuition, that gut, that heart. Yes, there are spreadsheets and yes, there are words and numbers that people say, but so much more is communicated in what isn't said and being able to read a room and actually you know sometimes just sense an atmosphere is this a high energy kind of like a great chemistry feel or is this a sort of high energy cut the air with a knife tense kind of feel and I would encourage people to Think about all three of those things, the brain, the gut, and the heart, and not try to suppress one of those things. Often, the higher up, it's obviously the the sort of brain and the numbers, and and sort of particularly in kind of, I think for marketing, it's tough because marketing is about change, and we're often talking about the future, and yet 
in the C-suite, it's being able to tell a story with enough that satisfies the logic and the rational and the calculated. But not forgetting as a marketer, uh, you know, our power is about telling stories and inspiring and creating a future. And, and so therefore, it's about really knowing your audience, what they're yeah. motivated by, and also what scares them. Yes. So, you know, often with finance, it may seem too unbelievable to say, we're going to create this if we do this. But the other way of telling that story is if we don't do this, we're going to lose this. I know it's not always the case, but it's often the case that we marketeers or people who are storytellers, I'm not sure if I'm a marketer or whatever, but I'm definitely a storyteller. And we're very good at doing that on the outside of our organisation, but actually we're not very good at doing it internally. And, you know, one of my big, not bugbears, but one of my, one of the things I talk about a lot and I'm doing a lot of work with at the moment is internal comms is still stuck in a different decade it's like all of the research shows the authenticity, being real, starting from somewhere that makes sense, having leaders that can tell stories that make people feel something works. Putting an extra poster up on the wall doesn't. Mm. So it's like, why aren't we harnessing our communication prowess and experience yeah. on the inside to make sure that people feel great? Thank yeah. you very much for that. Okay, story number three. The finals are clearly the T in EAT. And um, I thought about a combination of trust, transparency, and technology. And this example is from Formula One. And thinking back to the launch of F1 TV, which was the direct-to-consumer streaming app, the OTT product. And we made a mistake because we launched that product too soon and were caught up in the hype and the excitement of bringing a shiny new product to market. And it wasn't ready. Part of that sort of journey in Formula One from 2017 was really about making Formula One accessible, making everything kind of digital and bringing new products to market. And we had a very ambitious build for the timeframe, eight to 12 months. I would say we had lots of different resources from partners, too many partners involved, um, lots of people and uh, lots of different kind of people inside the organization. And I don't think we had the kind of trust and transparency. That meant we were all singing from the same song sheet on roles and responsibilities. And actually when it got into sort of the technology and, and the structure of it being so complex, you get caught down these little rabbit holes of these kind of complexities and you're seeing, you're focused like tunnel vision on these kind of problems and actually you lose sight, right? I think I lost sight, we lost sight of the core purpose of the product and who is the target audience and what do they want? And we got kind of carried away with fixing these little problems, how advanced this product could be, how shiny it could be and the investment of, of resource, both time and money continues and and the further down you go it becomes harder and harder to kind of challenge what's happening and for anyone to call out that in fact there is a massive turd on the table and uh, we launched the product it fell over it wasn't sort of reliable 
And, you know, as anyone will know, it takes so much to recover that lost trust with your consumers or your customers. We as a company, as an organization, we've responded transparently by like, hands up, it's all and over, it's not good enough, refunds, et cetera. And actually where we ended up was replatforming and building uh, a new app in parallel uh, and then did a kind of phased sort of migration in end of 2020, sort of beginning of the 2021 season. And now this product is reliable. It does absolutely what we say it's going to do. And there's that trust in the kind of product. But that was a big kind of learning for sort of me and all of those things needing to kind of come together. And often I think you get caught up or lost in what the technology can do versus, well, actually, who is your audience and what do you need to do? And therefore, what is the right solution? And you see it all over the place, don't you? I see it all of the time with companies that they are talking customer centricity. But actually, when you ask them, well, how is this going to help your customer? They don't know. Because they they haven't got, back to your point about alignment, they haven't got that shared vision of what it is you're building. And more to the point, that shared vision of how that product is going to delight your customers. It's very easy to fall into, like you say, tinkering around inside the new shiny thing. It happens a lot. It happens a lot. And it happens in pretty well every company that I've worked with. You have to really push to say, how is this helping your customer? Can you talk to me? So what do you do, Ellie? If you were to do that again, and I can feel your pain, because once you've invested that much love, and it's not you, it's your teams. You, it's, every, it's everyone, isn't it? Painful. Yeah. What would you do differently next time? So I would, I would actually take the time to play some games to ask some simple questions like, well, what if the opposite was true? Or um, you often sort of will read around a red team and a blue team and almost like debate or try to kind of prove the other wrong. And I think that additional time up front to really ensure that everyone was aligned and that trust and transparency had been built. And to do that across not the whole organization, because often things never get done then, but definitely with a spectrum across the organization where you have everyone's voices at the table. Because inevitably, with the a way a lot of companies are structured, you absolutely will have a CTO, you could have a CIO, you could still have digital sitting separately, you could have customer service sitting separately, you've got kind of marketing. And all of those voices are needed in order to make the whole whole. And that's what I would do differently. Yes. And actually just investing, because the the response then is, oh, it's going to slow things down. Yes, it is. Yes. And why is that a bad thing? Because we have to get it out then. Why? Why are you putting a deadline on? Because that's our, and it's all self-created, self-architected. And then you end up with a product that isn't right because you haven't brought that full diversity of perspectives to the play. And also, I mean, what I find works really well is bringing the customer in. Yeah. Can't do that. Why not? Your job is to to deliver value for your customer. That's what a business is. So 
I've often found that bringing customers in is the most powerful thing. And just, off, you know, being really honest with them. This is where we are. What do you think? That's the perspective that so often is forgotten about inside corporations, isn't it? Big context. Please. Yeah. And that's, for me, um, really brought to life often the saying that you may have heard, which is in order to speed things up, slow them down. So right. So right. In your hurry to get somewhere, you're just going to break the very thing that has to happen, which is actually that team. Do you know, I always think about Vince Cerf as one of my first guests, who's the chap who made the internet. So he was working with probably some of the brightest organizations and minds in the world over years, making this thing happen. And I said, don't talk about the tech. I'm not interested in the tech. Tell me about how did you lead that? And he said there was never a point where we didn't all know where we were trying to get to and, where, and what our dream was. And therefore, we were building a cathedral and every single person owned their own brick. Yep. So, yeah, I, I hear you, sister. <laughs> Been there, it's painful. Okay, so we're at that point where I have to ask you, what would you like to call your episode of Humans Leading Humans? The Power of Eat. The power of eat. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much for your time, Ellie. It's been really, really lovely, as I knew it would be. It's been brilliant fun. Um, it's great to actually have some time to reflect and think. So um, thank you. What an absolutely lovely conversation. I love that Ellie chose to tell that silly story about when she was a child and who we are as a kid remains with us. Try as we might to push down that inner, curious, irreverent, that little human, the more you push them down. But whatever drove you then probably still drives you today. I've been thinking about that a lot recently, so it's, it's serendipitous that Ellie chose to tell that story. And she is so right about, you know, this idea of whatever it is you're doing, push your own boundaries, look outside, make sure that you've got close allies across your ecosystem and you're building real relationships. Because especially if you want to be the best you can be, you're always going to be pushing at those boundaries and you need your allies close with you to support you through that journey. And also, it really, you know, it really struck me when Ellie was saying that actually people often find themselves in positions of power with no understanding of what good leadership looks like. And that's why I guess why I make this podcast. You know, there is a lot of experience and a lot of science behind what good leadership really means, which is not what we used to think leadership meant. So we need to keep learning from each other because everything can be better always. And I know that from every conversation, from listening to my guest stories, I learn a little bit more about myself and how I can be a better leader. And I guess that's why the CREATE framework is so important because we are surrounded by people who are locked into the way that things are done and we need guide rails to help us stick to the right way, not the normal way.
You have been listening to Humans Leading Humans Towards the Future of Work. That works for people. This podcast is brought to you with the support of the Marketing Society. And I know that you, dear listener, are from all over the globe. But if you happen to be in London on the 28th of June, then I would strongly recommend that you come along to the Digital Day because it will be a smorgasbord of stories and connections and collaboration. It will be lived experiences of how people, how marketing and innovation bods are managing to navigate the post-cookie world. And more importantly for me, how they are making a real difference by harnessing the power of stories. A massive thanks of thanks to the Superterrania for the magical sting of stings. Go to We Are Beep to find out more about the Create framework and how we support companies to get more efficient and help them win and keep the very best talent by unlocking the problem-solving potential of their people. Thank you so much for joining me. Please subscribe. Send me your feedback. Be inspired. Be imaginal. Be more human and see you next time.